Ebenezer Scrooge has just been visited by the ghost of Christmas past. We saw this last week. I don't have time to go into a lot, but I want to go into just a little reminder. Because the ghost of Christmas past presents to Ebenezer Scrooge, opens his eyes to why he has become such a lesser human being than God created him to be. And if you remember looking at his childhood, remember all that happened. He never knew a mother because his mother died in childbirth. And his father, because he lost his wife because of Ebenezer, forever kept Ebenezer at bay, didn't want him in his life. Sent him off to boarding school. And even when he was done with boarding school, sent him immediately to trade. He didn't want him around because he was a reminder of that pain. So because of the dysfunction of the father, the death of the mother, he has no parents growing up. He is alone. Okay. And we looked at a number of other things that had happened to him. Choices he made, pains from his past, all made him develop into who he was. And we talked about the critical aspect of repentance that a lot of people have trouble getting to. Because quite frankly, I believe it to be one of the hardest. And that is allowing the Holy Spirit... To reveal to us the pains, the undealt pains and suffering of our past. Whether people have done things to us. Or whether they just life has exploded upon us. And caused us pain. The undealt pains in our lives. Coupled with the choices that we make all through our history. Make who we are today. And therefore, our Lord has come to heal us of past to heal us of present, which we'll look at today, to give us a future of life. I told you last week that I had a, a, a testimony to share to you to make this very real and hopefully help you. I'm going to go ahead and share that as we begin. It has to do with pains and suffering of my past that made me who I was, dysfunctional, and was keeping me from becoming like Christ <clears throat> until such suffering hit my life that I simply came to a point of I cannot live like this anymore. And I turned myself entirely to Christ and gave myself into a journey of both spiritual direction through spiritual mentorship and pastoring and counseling. When I started dating in high school, I had two or three girlfriends throughout the high school period and one my freshman year of college before I met Korea Debbie. And every one of those dating relationships would go like this. I would smother the poor girl. I really would. Now, I didn't know it. Please believe me. In my mind, with the people that I was dating, I was loving. I was giving everything I have to them. Loving, you see. Every one of them, I know you don't believe this, but I would always be the one that got broken up with. I know. <laughs> but I would. This happened again in college. And by the way, with every one of those relationships, I thought, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. You see? 
It happened again in my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, Korea Debbie was a freshman. She came along. I was her freshman orientation leader. I knew how to get them before they got on the market, people. <laughs> but I met her, and we struck up wonderful conversations throughout that week. And we started dating. Two months later, my granddad would die, who was like a father to me. You'll see this in a minute. We go home for Christmas break. I go back to New Orleans. Korea Debbie goes back to Tennessee. And before Christmas, during Christmas break, my, my uh, now wife breaks up with me. I know, nice Christmas gift. I was devastated. I was devastated. And I was a shell of a human being, just like I was every time I would get broken up with before. And I lost it. I was, I was nasty with tears and pain, and I'd had enough. But for the first time, what came out of my mouth to my parents and to my grandmother, who is still living, was this. Not what is wrong with them, why. I gave them everything. This time it was mom, dad, grandma, something's wrong with me. I can't live like this anymore. Help me. Get me some help. I can't do this anymore. Something is wrong with me. Went through a process of counseling, and through that process of counseling, which was coupled with, like I said, spiritual direction from pastor and men, men mentors that I had in my life, here's what I discovered. We reach back now, you talk about wounds of the childhood. My mom had me when she was barely 18 years old. And before any relationship with Christ. She had me and she was married to my, my biological father, my dad. That marriage lasted two years. My dad left my mom. My mom was barely 20 with a toddler. My mom was a child of an alcoholic. And I saw the results of that all throughout my upbringing of my granddaddy who had died. Now see, my granddaddy, I never knew him as an alcoholic. Christ had come into his life and he had overcome. Christ had overcome in him alcoholism. But when I was two years old, my mom had a near nervous breakdown. She left me, abandoned me to my grandparents. I did not see my mother for a full year. She left, she went to Florida. So a two-year-old to three-year-old kid did not have a mother in his life. As these opened up through family conversations and great healing took place in family during this time as well as occurring in me, here's what came to light that our Lord brought to light. When I thought in my mind I was loving all of these nice young women, giving everything of my soul to them, it was actually the opposite. It was complete self-love. I couldn't love. The wounds of my past were intruding on my ability to become like Christ and love in the present. Why? Because here's what was going on in this teenager's mind and this college student's mind. If I love enough, what will they not do? Abandon me. I was caught up from a two to three year old wound. All of my days with an inability to become love to another person. Do you see that? 
Do you see the connections with Scrooge, the things that Dickens is making in the need for Christ to illuminate our past, to free us from past bondage that is keeping us from becoming like Him today and being free? And I tell you today, my mother, I have been watching in our relationship. I've seen the healing take place in her life because she was hindered in her ability to love from an alcoholic father who was hindered. You see, brokenness passed on to brokenness. And I've watched her and she and I are completely reconciled. I love my mom. You've seen her, you know her. And I've seen what God has done in her and I tell you today that from that point on, Korea Debbie has been the greatest gift to keep me accountable to become love. And I have been able to love someone like I have never, you know, would never have thought of before the healing took place, before the past had to be dug up, exposed, dealt with, and healed by Christ. Do you get that? And every last person sitting in here has something of their past that has gone undealt with. And by the way, the person standing up here still talking to you probably still has stuff from his past. That's the journey. The journey of our repentance is ever living in Christ. Is ever repentance. Is ever God out of His loving kindness drawing out of us the poison that is keeping us from freedom and love and becoming like Him. Does that make sense? So I share that testimony with you. And I told my mom last night I was going to do too. And she gave me the complete blessing because she wants to testify what God has done in our family, not just in me. But we need to allow Christ, as we're seeing with Ebenezer, we need to allow Christ give him permission because it takes giving him permission. He does not violate us. To give him permission to show us the things in our past that have produced such nastiness and deadliness and crippling effects in our lives that we can move forward free. Sometimes the healing comes very quick and sometimes it's a process. I don't care which way it comes, it comes. Because Jesus is faithful to hear to those who come and say, if you're willing, make me clean. He will respond by saying, I am willing to be healed. And he'll walk us through. Does that help you? I pray it does. So now, Ebenezer Scrooge, as we turn our attention to the next ghost, the ghost of Christmas present. If you remember Jacob Marley's call to repentance that he delivered to Scrooge, he testified of Jacob's own eternal consequences. Marley was doomed, if you remember, to roam the world in chains that he had forged in life. Roam the world seeing all of the present suffering souls of the world that he no longer has the ability or power to help. And that is excruciating to his soul. That's his eternal damnation, torment. Is the inability to do anything for the suffering when he didn't see them at all when he was living. He turned a blind eye. He lived a blind life. And so now Scrooge is going to be shown all that he is missing in present. All that he is not seeing among the suffering. And he's also going to be shown what real community looks like. Of which he has none in his life. We have about 18 minutes to watch, of which I'm going to skip to three parts. So it won't be consecutive. I'll be stopping at certain places. 
I know, guys, forgive the commercials. They're in there because it's free. I'm good with it. <laughs> uh, could, Jesse, would you turn the lights out for me? Well, he does very well on 50 bottles. Here we go again. 
As with Christmas past, we shall be invisible and unheard. Why not keeping your father? You can't be stopped to talk to the parson. Father always likes to compliment him on his sermon. You have a good success this year. No one makes a better thing than you, mother. Peter? Very sound for the rest of the family. Testing the cooking, mother. I'm sure they'll manage very well in the room without your help, young man.
friend loved me, and I her. Dear friend, we'll be sure alive today. Friend looks very like her. Yes, I've been reminded of that just recently. I was only going to say that the consequences of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is that we lose his unpleasant ways. We should do him no harm. And I need to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not. And every year he'll say, Christmas.
put it in words. God walks through. At least there's one thing still free in this country. Mary, Peter, they cooked. Get a glass. Become sailor. Where did you get these, Father? I didn't steal them, if that's what you're saying. She didn't say you stole them, Ben. She should have some respect. Don't break the girl. They fell from a cart into the road. Your father's not a thief, girl. Not yet. Visited any of them, these institutions you speak of? No, but I'm taxed for them. Isn't that enough? Is it? Ben, come back to the fire. Look at these hands, Mick. They're hard hands. They've done hard work. I want to work. I want to have bread for my children. It's not right that there's no work. Together, Ben, that's the important thing. I love you, mate. I love the children. Tomorrow, I'll take the children and go to the parish poorhouse. No. No. I'd rather be all drowned in the river than go to one of those places and be separated forever. Until I get work. No. Ben, we're a family. We stay together. Come. Come back to the fire. Come.
Let's look at each of these scenes for a moment. The first is Scrooge is taken to the home of his employee, Bob Cratchit, and he's shown a bit of Bob Cratchit's family life. What do we find that Scrooge has been living blind to according to the home of his own employee? What do you see? Yeah, Jesse? Yeah, has been taking care of him with all that he makes, which is plenty. He keeps it to himself and is tight with his employees and their suffering. What else? What else has he shown? Timmy's, Timmy's uh, illness. He didn't Tiny, Tim's illness. Tiny Tim's illness. I don't know if you noticed this, but it was around that time. Whereas, as, as Christina pointed out just before, remember the end of the last ghost, the ghost of Christmas past, how Scrooge was so violently trying to snuff out the light. Couldn't stand to see certain things. But what starts happening in the home of Bob Cratchit, when he, especially when he starts looking at Tiny Tim, what do you see start happening in Scrooge? The beginnings, just the beginnings of any sense of compassion, and even still he wants to hide it. Right? Exactly. What he's beginning to see is this quote-unquote surplus population that he speaks of but has never really been aware of. We see this in the home of Bob Cratchit. Then he's taken to Fred's home. He's taken to Fred's home. His nephew's house. What do you think Scrooge is being shown that he is missing or has been blind to or has cast away all of his life in that situation in Fred's home? What's he being shown about the present? Community. community. And specifically, give me some ideas of what you saw in the community. Joy. Joy. Laughter. Levity. Levity. Sharing. Real fellowship. Real fellowship. I tell you that one of the pictures that Dickens is painting when he points to this community scene is the community of faith, the community of Christ, the oneness of love and joy and healing and everything that ought be experienced in Christ's holy church amongst all the saints therein. Something he has, no, he can't even touch, and he's never experienced in his life. Remember, this sight of community to him is the extreme opposite of anything he's ever known starting with his childhood. The aloneness started at his childhood. And his eyes are being opened to what's missing. And notice something. Did you happen to notice that he started being drawn in? How? Where did you see it? In the games, what was he doing? starts playing in, he starts judging their answers and thinking of the right ones. He's beginning to get into this process. He's beginning to open the door to experience and see what he's never experienced and seen all of his life. The third scene. What did you see in the third scene? What was he shown? The homeless. Those with nothing. 
And did you notice it wasn't just men out there? Families. Families with the ability to work, but no jobs to be had. Not for lack of effort, but lack of jobs to be had. If you remember, Jacob Marley, he sees them all the time. But he can no longer do anything about them, so he is suffering eternally. Scrooge is shown them in the present that while he lives, he may have, he may have the ability to grow into compassion, a compassion that moves him to action. Now, when the ghost of Christmas present opens his robe, he's shown two children, extreme poverty-stricken children. What are their names? Ignorance, Ignorance and want. Ignorance and want, he said, ignorance and want, these two are the doom to a soul. And I want to tell you from a spiritual perspective, ignorance and want works like this. Not recognizing, remember the child's name was ignorance. This is not about Scrooge being ignorant. Even though he is of these things, the child's name was ignorance. These are the ones who do not know Christ and His salvation. The ignorance, the, the lack of knowledge of Christ in their lives. There have been many writings about this regarding Dickens' work. The second is want. Those who he sees in this picture. Those who are in any kind of need to ease their suffering. So on the one hand, you've got those who are spiritually suffering, ignorant of Christ. And those who are physically suffering, whether it's body, mind, spirit, you name it, that are physically suffering in this world, to be blind to them is the doom to the soul. What he is being shown in this scene, and what we want to talk about today as far as what we're concerned with. Last week was about the past. The damaging things that we need to deal with, let Christ heal and be freed to become like Him. Today it's about sins of omission in the present. Sins of omission in the present. Not the things that we choose to do that are wrong. The things we fail to do that are right. This is something part of our repentance. We must allow the Holy Spirit to show us where we are so self-consumed. And by the way, the past and the present work together in that. Where we are so consumed with ourselves. That we are blind to much suffering around us. And it doesn't have to be the homeless. Oh, they're there. They're out there. I could bring you to places. What about the suffering in our own workplaces? What about the suffering in our own homes, under our own roofs? Are we seeing it fully and are we growing in compassion for all of these things? You know, I, I like to look at sins of omission and maybe this will help you. And it really comes into the definition of what sin really is. We defined it a couple of weeks ago. Sin is missing the mark. This is not just about fracturing laws, my friend. 
Sin is missing the mark. What's the mark? Or I should say, who is the mark? Our Lord Jesus Christ is the mark. In him all the fullness of God lives. We are to be participators in the nature of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. The divine nature. Missing the mark means not becoming like him. Not living from that divine nature for the benefit of others around us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian during the Nazi regime, he summed up extraordinarily well the teaching of the fathers on what we're talking about today. And I thought the quote just so best summed up what the fathers say. Listen, listen to what he says. Christ comes to us in the form of a beggar, of the dissolute human child in ragged clothes asking for help. He confronts you in every person you meet. As long as there are people, Christ will walk the earth as your neighbor. Isn't that good? We're taught in the church, even in the community of faith, that our salvation is by the experience in Christ of all those around us. Well, my friends, he comes to us and those who are struggling all the time. He is present with us in that manner. And I want to offer you just two suggestions of how diligently and seriously, yes, during Advent, but all of our days in Christ, that we need to consider these sins of omission, these missing of the mark. And I want to give it to you in two forms of parables that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us about this very, very aspect of our salvation. And the first one is this, the parable of the vine and the branches. In St. John in chapter 15. In that parable, our Lord Jesus Christ says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. The idea is horticultural engrafting. Where there's a process that a dead and lifeless limb can actually be engrafted into a living vine, secured there. And the sap from the vine will come out of the vine and into the dead and lifeless branch. And the dead and lifeless branch will bloom again, but it will bloom as a fruit of the vine. It becomes what the vine is, you see, and it's restored to life. If you remain in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. I've told you many times the struggle for us as Christians, the greatest struggle of our lives is to remain in Christ. Because for those that remain in Christ, Jesus is sharing, the natural result of remaining in me is that you'll bear my fruit. What does that mean? That means you'll see the suffering like I see them and I will give you grace and everything you need to do something about it. You will bear the fruit of the kingdom of God. And then he says, then he says, if you do not remain in me, you will not bear fruit and will wither. And it's cast off and men throw it into the fire and they are burned. Remaining in Christ is repentance. Returning to him. I'll give you one more thought to think about, and that's, everybody knows this one too. St. Matthew in chapter 25, 
The parable of the sheep and the goats. The parable of the last day says it very, very, very specifically. If you remember, all souls go before the Lord as Jesus says, and Christ will separate them as judge, as sheep on one side to His right, His, those that belong to Him, and goats on the left. And listen to what He says. To the righteous, to the ones, the sheep on the right, then the King shall say unto them on His right hand, Come ye blessed of My Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous asked, when did we do these things? And he answers very honestly, when you've done it not to the least of my brethren. And when you've done it to the least of my brethren, you have done it to me. Then he's going to turn to the ones on the left, the goats. And he says the same thing. And they said, when did we not do all these things to you, Lord? Because we had failed to care for those in need. When did we not do this? When you did it not to the least of these, you did it not to me. And they don't enter into paradise. It's a very basic message. One of the things that we want to avoid as Christians as doing something for God to earn something from God. That's not right thinking. I get, take you back to the vine and the branches. It has everything to do with remaining in Christ all of our days. When we remain in Christ, the natural result is we do these things. And when we do these things, we are His sheep. And paradise becomes such a joy to us to look forward to. Does that make sense? My friends, caring for the needy comes in so many dynamic levels. But I don't want to pigeonhole any of you. Every one of you is a vessel in which God lives completely. Which means as you walk through any day, God may use you by His grace and give you insights to see the suffering around you in various ways every day of your life. The key is to attend to God, to listen to Him, to remain in Him, and see the world as He sees it, and to see the soul right next to you as He sees it. And you never know what He might show you. And when He shows you and you act, you never know what He might do. But what I promise you this, those who remain in Christ and are bearing fruit are those filled with joy all of their days. Ebenezer Scrooge is on a path to joy, but he is not there yet. And right now he's, being, he's been shown so far the illness of the soul from his past, the illness of his emotions from the past and his suffering and his choices that he's made, and now he's being shown the blindness of his heart. And he's being shown both for one reason. That he might have an opportunity to be whole again. And to have joy in his life. Which if you know the story, you know he gets. But we're going to look at that. So next week when we gather together, we're going to look at the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And we're going to see joy return to this man. Hmm? Let's stand.